This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. Before we get into everything for today's episodes, we do have a couple of announcements, including the fact that we are moving to bi-weekly episodes. Now, don't panic. Nothing's wrong. We still love the podcast more than anything and love you guys more than anything. But with me being in England and Jenna's new job, we have so much going on and we want the episodes to continue to be as great as they have been. And especially with how far we've moved in the direction of education and learning about psychology and all these other things. Like there's so much more work going into the research and the creation of these episodes than there was before because we're genuinely learning new things every week. (laughs) We have ideas and we try and prove them to ourselves and then to you guys. And in order to do that, we just need time. And unfortunately, because people are pretending COVID's not real anymore. Time is not a gift that we have as much access to as we once did. Yes, yes. When we started this once ago, this was our pandemic baby. (laughs) August 2020, baby. (laughs) And so I think in the grand scheme of things, this will be good for the Name Three Songs community. We do have a lot of things planned to sort of make up for the fact that we won't be in your podcast feeds as much just in order to do community growth. So if you're not following us on social media, definitely go give us a follow especially on Instagram. We are at Name Three Songs on those platforms. We're going to be doing lives again over there. Yeah, whenever we did Instagram lives before, they were always so fun because we love being able to talk to y'all directly and like hear your feedback and every once in a while have some special guest hop into our Instagram lives. <laughs> so they were a lot of fun and we tried to do them as best time zone as we can find. So yeah, definitely make sure you're following us on Instagram to be up to date on that stuff if you want to join us for those. Yeah, for sure. And also remember with those Instagram Instagram lives you guys can also come and join in which is always so fun because we get to put faces to Instagram handles and chat with you guys which is always exciting and we're gonna have some other fun things planned as well for you guys just to bring the community together because that's really what this is all about in the grand scheme of things is educating ourselves each other and building a community on these ideas to hopefully spread them to more people and speaking of more people we do have some new friends on Patreon Welcome, Shay and Naomi. We are so excited to have you. And since we're going bi-weekly, if you guys do want to get more content from us, we are still going to be doing our monthly music meltdowns, which now have turned to be more research-heavy episodes for us. For example, one of our past episodes was about religion and the way that it's changing in a role in our lives and like how this ties into music, which is honestly a really pretty interesting discussion and will probably mm-hmm. tie into the podcast at some point. And then we also have our mini episodes, which we like to call mini-sodes, also known as Did You Hear, in which Sarah and I discuss recent music news and our feminist take and those can range 
range anywhere from like 15 minutes to 30 minutes, depending on how angry we are, how much we have to <laughs> rant about, how much news happened during the week. But those are a great way to like hear our takes on like more current stuff that's going on. So like a few weeks ago, we talked about like everything that was happening with Kanye and him calling out like Billie Eilish of all people. And so that's like a fun little way for us to do more recent stuff that's not directly related to the podcast, but still always related. Yeah, and of course, we also have the Discord, which you get at every level of a Patreon membership, which is super fun because we can discuss the episodes, we can discuss other things that are going on in the world of music or pop culture or literally just life. This is just a place for us to be buddies and people making friends, which is really fun because people on the Discord server definitely have, you know, sprouted off into their own worlds and become buddies, which is really all we can ever hope for. So if you'd like to go join that, you can do that over at Patreon dot com slash name three songs and we will see you in two weeks from today which is sad but also i promise it'll be worth it for everybody (laughs) and we do have a doozy of an episode today so sarah what are we talking about today today we're doing another primer episode it's funny doing these deep dives on ideas that we've had since the dawn of the podcast like so far in but I think it's really helpful because we have so much background information now and that way the research that we're doing can be more specifically focused which I think is really important for something like today because we are talking about our favorite most annoying trope in pop music which is the virgin whore complex otherwise known as the Madonna whore complex, coined by Sigmund Freud, king of complexes and loving to like blame women for existing or just, you know, blaming moms for being sexy and then their sons (laughs) wanting to fuck them. (laughs) Um, yeah. So as you can tell, there's a lot to unpack today, but I am really excited for this episode because as Sarah mentioned, now that we have so much pop culture knowledge and music knowledge, it makes it really cool to kind of go back and do these kind of overarching thematic episodes where it's like we've been talking about the virgin horse since the beginning of this podcast and we've maybe like explained it a little bit here a little bit there but like as we dig deeper into stuff we realize just how much it is everywhere and just how much there actually is to talk about it which is pretty insane and honestly i felt this way about our last episode too with the fangirls versus the fanboys of you wouldn't think we would be able to come full circle on this and talk about it again but i think because we've done so much work it's almost like shedding a new light on the subject so i'm really excited for this conversation and i hope you guys are too yeah i think that this conversation just based off of the stuff that we were pulling this is going to be crazy because there's so many layers to it and they all kind of overlap with topics that we've already discussed on the podcast which is quite exciting but also like ideas that are just like quite buzzy right now so people are talking about them a lot more including just like the obsession with virginity and if virginity is even real in like the construct that we created for it because again and like we say in most of these overarching episodes or just most episodes everything is coming from our American raised knowledge and ideas of things and it's so crazy how much this podcast has shown me that even though I did grow up in a Jewish household in a very Jewish neighborhood 
that America is so laced in like Christianity and Christian fear. Yeah. And like in that way, white fear, but white Christian fear, which is very different. And kind of like the thing where America sees people as their skin color is their race rather than understanding that we view race differently than other countries view race. And so it's the same sort of idea of just we view things in such a like Christian anglicized way that it just boggles my mind. Like in reading all these things and I'm just like what is going on here because sometimes you'll read these articles or find other articles and they'll be like oh unlike in this country or like unlike in this religion like this is how they view these things and I'm like but I am I am that religion why why do I view things (laughs) like in an evangelical sense and it's like oh they've been brainwashing us forever (laughs) and it's insane (laughs) (laughs) no it literally is insane the founding like i said this in the last episode the founding fathers did a number on us (laughs) y'all i was not messing around and now that i'm thinking about it weren't like the pilgrims like fleeing religious prosecution of some sort because i'm pretty sure they were um, i'm pretty sure they were puritans or something like this guys there's layers here i need a history lesson but there's something to this I mean, America was literally founded on religious freedom. Like, people were coming here to escape religious persecution and have religious freedom. And then if you look into things, it's like Anne Frank's family was literally turned away because they were like, we can't take any more Jews right now. Sorry. Wow. Like, okay, so so this is like, the thing is it's like, it's, it's literally insane. We're kind of losing our minds a little bit right now, but it's like the white colonizers who came over to America, they were a very specific set of religion or set of religious views. And that is how they found this country so this country i mean to be fair a lot of countries are founded on values of religion they just go hand in hand at this point but like literally america as we know it the founding fathers came over here with a very specific set of ideals in mind based on their religion like that is crazy and now we're like oh church and state should be separate they've never been separate because if they were separate we wouldn't even be having this conversation oh my god y'all yeah, so it is It is crazy how truly everything always comes back to religion and, like, America's obsession with, like, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, you have religious freedom, but you don't really yeah. because everything is really based in Christianity here, but, like, we're pretending it's not. Yeah. And I know that this feels like a bit of a tangent, but it really all does come back to that in the grand scheme of things because even the complex in and of itself We've been calling it the virgin whore complex, but it's literally called the Madonna whore complex because of the, you know, the Virgin Mary, Mary, yeah, the Virgin Mary, (laughs) also known as Madonna, who gave birth to Jesus, even though she was a virgin. But so just for a bit more context, since I did name drop Freud and then just run away from him because, you know, why you should. In the early 1900s, Freud, who's a psychologist, identified a psychological dichotomy in his male patients known as the quote Madonna whore complex men with this complex saw women as either saints or prostitutes loving the first and desiring the second though never intertwining both and as freud said where such men love they have no desire and where they desire they cannot love the theory originally was said to stem from a man's relationship with his mother though has become fluid over time and i think it's funny just like originally said to stem from a man's relationship with his mother because again as i said the oedipus complex which you guys can go look that up if you want to have some fun time on the internet 
But this whole thing is interesting with the whole they can only love what they don't desire and they desire what they can't love. Yeah. Because I have heard before on probably man podcasts or like TikTok or something like I don't know where I heard it just like amongst the chirpings of the internet about how like when men have sex with women they view them in a very animalistic way when they're having sex with them and then afterwards while women like want to be close men distance themselves which is proven but like the men distance themselves because they feel ashamed that they animalistically desired somebody that they like respect and love and like their brain doesn't work like that meanwhile women tend to feel like closer emotionally after performing sexual acts and I just think it's quite crazy and interesting it's literally Um, so messed up it's literally so messed up and guess what guys men it's all your fault (laughs) it's all your fault (laughs) (laughs) we're we're having all these issues because of you it's like stop being ashamed it makes me feel weird (laughs) maybe we should gaslight them into uh thinking they're the ones with problems um anyways (laughs) Anyways, I mean, you had sent me this TikTok a few weeks back and we were like, oh, Mm -hmm. we definitely need to talk about this. And it was this boy and the text was just like, I have a crush on this girl, but I like her so much that I don't even view her sexually. And then somebody stitched it and then they were explaining like, actually, this is a red flag. And they explained it because it's like, you only desire things that you think are not worthy of value, are not worthy of respect. And the fact that you respect a woman and now you think you can't have sex with her that is literally this virgin whore complex that we're explaining right now and that's like that thing where again the whole idea of like oh they're not gonna want to have the cow if they could have the milk for free sort of thing that like great grandmas say to children or the whole idea of oh you can't put out until a certain amount of dates because a lot of the times it's like depending on how much of an emotional connection you have with the dude within if you sleep with him too early they might be like oh desired her therefore i cannot love her well and then they just like fuck off and it's like literally i mean i said this before but i ended up listening to that horrendous podcast about these men explaining what man's desires are which is just that out of dating out of a relationship men want sex and women want resources i.e women want love and affection or money or security whatever it is and all men want is sex we're that's literally what we're talking about right here literally oh this is God. explaining it of like a prime example of these dudes that have the podcast where we're like oh men just get finessed all the time by women and like we get taken advantage of because women get what they want without giving us sex in return and it's like you have a very messed up way that you are viewing women and that is the oh problem and also this ties into the whole plot playboy thing of men sleeping with a hundred different people no problem the whole emotional connection thing of like they can just do that no problem and like of course this is i mean everyone has their different preferences whatever i'm not saying anything is good or bad but the trope is that men can do that no problem and if women do that they get attached and it's hard for women to do that but then like men don't want to sleep with women who have slept with everyone else okay we're getting really ahead of ourselves but yeah yeah there's literally so many layers to this and it's so crazy how much this affects pop music (laughs) in general like the lyrics of pop music girl or guy just pop stars obviously as we've talked about the geography of pop music has changed very much thanks to like the 2010s or like the 2009 to like 2014 sort of era where music was fucking confused because the world was as well where we had the Kesha Katy Perry Lady Gaga pop star where They're not teens. You can't Madonna whore them. You can't do these things because they're fully fledged adults who have like been actualized and have ideas, you know? And so 
were hard pressed to find that Britney Spears, Jessica Simpson pop star box that used to exist and used to be so stifling to like who they were to the fact that literally everything was picked apart, specifically using like the check boxes of what Sigmund Freud came up with to like come up with this complex basically. And it's just really interesting and just wild and crazy like how much a dumb idea, meaning both the idea of virginity and this whole idea that women can't be loved or they like show some boobs every now and again because oh no now they're a whore it's just it's just crazy like those are the dumbest dumbest things ever and they truly have controlled the media narrative the media hive mind for decades yes it's fucking ridiculous yeah, yeah it is <laughs> So we're talking a lot about a lot of different things, but we've found some really great articles for you guys that help break down this idea a lot because the thing is, is it's like, it's really easy to like grasp at these concepts, but not really like fully understand them. So my goal for you guys today is to be able to walk away and like fully understand majority of this complex and how it affects us in our daily lives because of course this is like an endless well of information and things that we can research forever but we are going to try to break it down in terms that are like as understandable as possible so sarah found a really great article called the madonna horror complex puts women in danger in a publication called 34th street by rena bat in 2021 and rena writes the madonna horror complex represents the dichotomy of the madonna who's a holy virtuous pure and chaste woman and the whore a promiscuous seductive and degraded woman the issue with this understanding of female sexuality lies in its polarization and assumptions. And this is like basically what we talk about a lot on the podcast. First, the polarization of this concept forces women to be defined either by a slut or a virgin. This is a gross dehumanization of women, reducing them to their sexual activity, denies their personhood, and renders them as objects under the male gaze. Second, in the Madonna Whore Complex, female sexuality is viewed as something that is intrinsically degrading and disrespectful. If women choose to partake in sexual activity or posit themselves in a sexual way, they are disrespecting themselves and by that logic ought to lose respect in the eyes of other. This is so crazy because it's literally like women cannot win no matter what they do. It's so infuriating and I don't even know any other words to use other than I feel like this whole episode is going to be me saying it's so infuriating because it's this constant thing of again we are affected by the fact that we live in a patriarchy every single day and it's always negative effects you know because no matter how many good men there are out there for every good man there's three assholes that view women in this regard and so it's so frustrating because again it's the idea of yes we know it's not going to be all men being garbage being gross being predators whatever but it's enough of them for us to not know who's going to disrespect us or be weird about certain things, you know? And even sometimes, like, you might have a guy friend who doesn't act like this towards you, but might act like this towards their quote-unquote conquests. And it, again, comes back to that thing is it's like, oh, they view you as somebody that they respect, therefore they don't desire you. But when they desire somebody, they don't respect them. And so it's viewed in this other way. And then they'll be like, oh, but I'm... I'm good. Like, I go to therapy. I do my stuff, whatever. And it's like, okay, you might understand feminism to some degree, but you still talk about women to your female friends as objects. And it's like, you're still, like, how, how does that happen? And it's so insane. No matter how forward thinking a guy might think that they are, when it comes down to the desiring idea, it's still so like animalistic in nature. It's still so ye old in how you view women because again, it's that brainwashing. And it's again, like why 
we kind of exist as a podcast to try and explain to you guys how these things work and like unlearn things while learning things yeah. together. Yeah, absolutely. Rena goes on to write, men are able to love women that they consider as Madonnas because of the subsequent denigration and shaming of women labeled as whores or sluts. So essentially what they're saying is you can't have one without the other. That's why like what you're saying about the guy who you're really good friends with who like treats you with respect, but then goes and treats people that he's sleeping with without respect. That's literally it. Is It's the complex says like you can't have one without the other that's how they exist they coexist in that way and that's the thing though is it's like they're not coexisting really because i don't even know how to say it with like it feels like i'm treating everyone like we're all stupid but it's like to ashton kutcher mila kunis is a woman he respects but also has children with but to most men in the world mila kunis is a slut that they would like to fuck that's true and it's like and it's so weird that it's like the person who is legitimately in a relationship with her clearly loves her respects her but also has like two kids and they like clearly have sex yeah whereas like people who could never have her and still desire her are like oh well you know whatever like they they probably have gross thoughts about her and don't respect her in that way and just think of her as like a sexual object like a conquest that they would like to have another good example of that would be megan fox has more than one child but now because she's dating mgk and is hot as fuck and like showing off her body (laughs) all the time she's playing the whore role whereas before when she is like being a mother to her kids she's playing the madonna role yeah and that's the thing is it's like people have a really hard time wrapping their mind around the fact that you can be both and speaking of motherhood and how this changes men's view of women specifically when they're viewing her as a mother and i think using megan fox as an example for this is quite a good example because she did kind of go from like sex pot to mom to sex pot again which like more power to her good for her you know but i feel like that truly is a quintessential diagram of like what this idea is and so there was this other article in this publication called the lat written by a group called bear therapy in 2021 just titled what is the madonna horror complex and in this they were basically talking about how there's this sliding scale of like how people view women and they were saying in motherhood the dichotomy tends to work in reverse from horror to madonna through the eyes of the complex a woman may be seen as a sensual being with desires and a hunger for pleasure until she falls pregnant and so then this went on to like this crazy point but i think it's important enough to talk about where they basically are saying that the madonna whore complex can be particularly prevalent when a baby is born naturally through the birth canal prior to giving birth a partner may have seen a woman's vulva as something to be desired a place to play and enjoy for themselves after giving birth this view can change to become purer as their partner's vulva becomes the thing that gives life something related to their child rather than to sex and pleasure and this is that thing where you also hear men being like oh my whole view on women changed when i had a daughter and it's like yikes what the f- what the fuck <laughs> what was your view before to, like, <laughs> like you dated and are ma- and married a woman prior to having a child like you possibly had a, a son before a daughter what took you so long to like actualize women in your mind but also it's just that thing where it's like again you cannot be both at the same time and it, it and it's so weird i mean this very specific description absolutely ties back to the to the Oedipus complex. Yeah, yeah. Of being mad at your mom because you can't have sex with her. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is, guys. Oh my god. 
in summary. Okay, I know, I know we keep laughing, but this is like a very serious topic. But the I think that the only way to discuss serious topics is with a bit of brevity. Otherwise, you're just gonna be bored and be confused and frustrated. And I think to make light of a situation that is just affecting most of us every single day is really necessary. Otherwise, I think we would all go insane because this is just ridiculous. Like, this is just insane to me. The the fact that it's like, oh, I was there when my baby was born. Suddenly I realized that the vagina does more work than accept my dick when I'm horny. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so it all truly does just come back to this trope that we talk about all the time that exists in music and like doesn't leave us alone because it seems aggressively hard for men to view somebody that they think is sexy as somebody that they should also respect. And I think that when you bring this into the pop star world of things, which is where this trope is seen so much in media, because like obviously it's used in movies and like TV shows as like, you know, like a character trope idea, whatever. But like these are real actualized people. These aren't just characters that can like separate themselves. Like these are real people. But I think that like Britney Spears, who we bring up quite a lot in this sort of discussion when we talk about this trope in other episodes is like a really good example of it because it's it's this weird thing where you see a bunch of kids respecting and looking up to Britney and then you see all these adults sexualizing her but also being like she's so virginal she's so sexy and so it's this weird thing where they're kind of viewing her as both at the same time because they know that they can't have her and therefore because she talks about her virginity being important to her and like how she's trying to save herself for the right person whatever and like it's something that she has spoken about in interviews when she was younger And so I think that whole thing of like her being young and youthful, but also dressing sexy and being kind of sexy while also clearly being like closed for business, for lack of better terms. It's that weird thing where she somehow exists in this weird in between where they're both viewing her as virginal, but desiring her. And I don't really know how it makes sense. Like now Um. knowing all of this extra info. Yeah, and we're going to get more into Britney, too, in a little bit here, because it's really interesting, like, how she's talked about, too. And, of course, we've talked about Britney in the past, like, on our episode about girls becoming women, and also our episode on objectification versus empowerment. And the other thing that came to mind, is I said this on the last episode, is, like, Megan the Stallion, of it's, like, she mm-hmm. has probably a lot of male fans, too, but they're viewing her as an object to have sex with, yeah. not... like a person that they respect and so that narrative pops up in so many of these pop stars and as much as it's reflected like you said Sarah like reflected in in movies and tv shows these are actual human beings that we're like projecting this onto but like it's Mm -hmm. also a reflection of like our daily lives as well I mean because if we're thinking about the concept of virginity and this is this is what comes back to like especially the beginning of our episode when we're talking about the founding fathers and stuff like that of like to me the idea of like saving virginity to marriage is a very like christian thing and i don't i mean i guess this is a thing in other religions as well but it seems like mm-hmm. extra 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 predominant in christianity or at least like especially in how like i grew up in america of yeah and this is the virgin whore thing of like you're not worthy unless like you haven't had sex until marriage yeah and there is just this huge obsession with virginity and like who's gonna get to take someone's virginity i mean if you guys pay attention to any 
weird news sites like there have been countless girls who have like sold their virginity to the highest bidder to like pay for college or pay off student loan debt or whatever like there are crazy things that happen and I mean like there's been law and order episodes about that there was even recently stories going around about how the rapper T.I. would accompany his daughter to doctor's appointments to check to see if her hymen was still intact make sure she was still a virgin yikes which if she's rich she's been horseback riding and that hymen's not there (laughs) Um, (laughs) and this is the thing is it's like also again in america and something we've talked about it's like our sex education fucking sucks like our education on everything sucks like we're we're taught the bare minimum to get by a lot of places are literally just taught abstinence. Yes. They're not even taught like any sex education. They don't get to put condoms on bananas. And so they have no knowledge. They have no understanding. And so you have these things like in Glee when they're like, oh, she got pregnant from sperm in a hot tub. Like that's not real. But people who don't have sex education think that that can happen. And it's just it's so crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. And it's so infuriating. And so it's just, yeah, it's just very upsetting to think about in the grand scheme of things, because again, there's, there's so much specific language around the idea of virginity and the idea of like, oh, who's going to take their virginity and the idea of respect tied to virginity. And yet men will continue to like sexualize women in real life and in pop culture and in all these levels. And so it's so weird when the emphasis is always on the girl to like save themselves, to stay virginal, to stay pure. And like this tie to pureness and virginity and boys are told the same thing, but they're also kind of like, I don't know, like even if you watch like 80s movies and stuff, it's like, oh, who's going to, we have to lose our virginity before, before graduation. Like, (laughs) like, like all these dumb things that always exist when at the same time you're being taught like, oh, girls, girls have to keep their legs crossed. Like no men can enter here. And so everything's just like counteracting each other. Everything you're learning at school or from religious parents or whatever is being counteracted by going to movies or reading media or whatever. And so there, there's no real way to like fully understand what sex is what sex means like how this can affect your life or not affect your life because the idea of virginity is like such a strong concept that it truly rules people's minds and can like really negatively affect people because I think a lot of people who like don't lose their virginity until later in life are brainwashed that's so young that like oh losing your virginity has to be something special it has to be some to somebody who really matters to you it has to be this it has to be that and it's like once you get to a certain point you're like oh well it has to be the exact right person you know because a lot of people are 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 going to have in their head like oh it has to be special it has to mean something it has to be this it has to be that because even like When friends, like, I don't know if guy friends talk about this, but, like, when girlfriends talk about these things, there's a vast difference between people talking about losing it in high school to, like, like, oh, it was awkward and bad, but, like, he was my first love. And then somebody talking about, like, losing it in college and being like, oh, I just, like, got drunk and had sex with some dude I thought was hot, you know? (laughs) Those are both two equally valid things. But, like, you can start to feel a stigma within yourself because you're like, oh, all my friends have these kind of, like, adorable stories. Whereas to other people, it's like, oh, I was, like, 22. I, like, read enough about this. Sex is not a big deal anymore. Yeah. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? 
At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Also, I mean, all of this ties back to what we're being told and what we're being fed from a very young age growing up. And it's interesting because when we talk about virginity in school, it's never, Mm -hmm. never tied to the virgin whore complex. Never tied to it. Yeah. But it is, right? Like, that's why we're having this conversation. (laughs) So it's interesting because, like, I grew up in Texas. I grew up in, like, a very Catholic and Christian neighborhood, which I honestly Mm -hmm didn't even realize until honestly we were doing the research for this stuff thinking back on it when purity rings were a thing a lot of my friends had purity rings <laughs> and purity rings as made famous by the jonas brothers yes and strangely miley cyrus yes and it, it became like a trendy thing right of like oh well they're doing it like it's cool everyone in school is doing it it's cool to have a purity ring and then our sex ed was literally don't have sex the sex ed was don't have sex. <laughs> and basically until you're married. Like this is how how intertwined like religion is into the way we live our lives that like they are literally scared to teach children about sex. But guess what? Teenagers are having sex anyways and they're doing it unsafely and then getting pregnant. And then you want them to have their baby, but you won't support them financially. Anyways, we do have an article called Here's Why We Need to Change the Conversation Around Virginity in Bustle by Lake and Howard in 2018. And they talked to this founder named Andrea Berica, who's uh, founded an online sex education platform called O School. And so Andrea's saying the pressure around virginity causes anxiety, stigma, and shame for both the haves and the have-nots. The more we emphasize virginity as a goal, the more silence we have around the real issue like pleasure, sexuality, and consent. And this is a huge thing too, pleasure, sexuality, and consent. Like, why do we have uh, rape trials? Like, number one, being under-tested and under-reported. And number two, going to like Supreme Court and then people getting dismissed for nothing. Because literally people are not even taught consent in school and men think that women are objects for their taking because we're not taught anything in school. Like this is a problem. And the other thought that came to my mind is like I was reading this thing because they go back and forth talking about this idea of like, oh, like virginity is a concept. Virginity is a construct. We should just get rid of it. And I even remember like in high school, like one of my friends, you know, saying stuff like this, like virginity is just a concept, like whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, virginity is a concept, whatever. But like (laughs) not knowing what that meant. Like, yeah, like it is, it is like we made it up. Right. Mm -hmm. But like the implications of it, not understanding the implications of it. I think it's one of those like phrases that's like really catchy and like sounds cool and like a cause you want to get behind, but not understanding what's behind it when it's like consent is behind it. The virgin horror complex that follows you for the rest of your life is behind it. Men only viewing you as an object or as something they can respect. 
is behind it. All of these things nobody talks about, like I just said. Maybe there should be a course about virginity and like the virgin whore complex in schools because they're so closely intertwined together and yet they're never ever talked about together, especially in school. Yeah, and I mean like that's kind of a similar thing where sometimes when you're older and you like haven't lost your virginity yet, you sometimes meet guys and they'll be like, oh, that's so hot. Like, I want to take your virginity from you. And it's like, it's not something to be taken away from me. That's not how this really works. And I I don't know, because obviously, like, based off of everything we were reading, it feels very much that, again, like, virginity was like an idea that was created to, like, make people feel guilty and have that kind of, like, Catholic guilt about being sexually active, which I think is just really fucked up, especially, you know, when having sex is so much more than just something that people do to like procreate. Well, that's the thing is that's the thing is like in this context that we're talking about, it's viewed only as something for procreation. Yeah. And again, it's like what Jenna was saying before is that's why you run into these issues where it's like girls are taught to protect themselves from being raped, but boys are not taught to not rape. And you run into these things again, where it's like serial killers or murderers will use rape as a way to like control women. And also sometimes to make them think like, oh, maybe I'm not going to get killed. I'm just being raped because like the idea of rape already exists. That's and terrifying. So it, and so it's like, oh, like just let them control me. I'll, I'll survive this. And then they kill you. And it's like men use this as like a way of power, a way to feel control over women because there is such a construct around, again, the virgin whore idea of it all. Of it's like if she's had sex too many times, she's used, she's no good to anybody, like throw her in the waste bin, you know, sort of situation. But you also have this in terms of like the terminology used around virginity, which Andrea talks about in this article by saying virginity places pressure on people with penises to lose it and people with vulvas to keep it without any consideration as to whether or not each feels ready to do either. And so I think that is what's so interesting is it's kind of this idea of, oh, your virginity is like lost or your virginity has like been taken from someone like it's up for the taking. And I feel like there is like I mentioned earlier, like there's so many movies, especially like 80s movies that take place in high school, like the whole like pact for guy friends to lose their virginity before they graduate high school or whatever the case is, like before the summer of senior year, we got to lose our virginity, guys. It's a virgin. It's like a losing virginity pact. And girls couldn't do that in a movie because it's like, oh, sluts. Like, how dare they be talking about like how they all have promised to lose their virginity in the same three month time frame. Yeah. Also, as you mentioned, something that they highlight in this article is that we're talking about virginity specifically as the like penis and vagina kind of virginity. But there's like other forms of sex that like aren't included within that. And it's also very exclusive of like the LGBTQ community to the point that homosexual sex isn't even considered sex. So there's lots of homophobia there as well. Yeah. And Jenna and I were talking about this earlier, but the thing that kept coming up with this is it's like there's there's the loophole. <laughs> there's a loophole in sex, which is like you can have any sex other than P and V sex and it's not counted as losing your virginity and this is like joked about in tv shows if you guys ever watched like awkward on mtv there was a joke about that but there's also this song from this comedy duo called garfunkel and oats and so basically the song is singing about how like god made me holy so you would have holes to choose from and fuck me in the ass if you love jesus because i love jesus sorry that's the correct lyric fuck me in the ass because i love jesus because it's a loophole it's the backdoor exclusion act where 
Jesus can't see what's happening if it's not going in the vagina. Uh, yeah, and there, there's this, other, I'm pretty sure it was Mean Girls, but it could have been like another movie of that era where one of the girls is saying, I'm like half a virgin. And like, I saw this movie as a child. Like I was too young to be seeing this movie. It was rated PG-13 and I was not 13. But that line stuck with me forever because I was like, what is she talking about? And this is what she's talking about. But it's stuff like this that's like in the media, in like media that we consume that like sticks with us. It's the same pressure and stigma around it that we then carry with with us as we go through our lives yeah it's just like it's just so crazy because also that's the same thing of like there are people who view different acts of sex as like different levels of closeness as well and so there can be people who are the social construct idea of virgins who have sexual experience yeah and there can be ones that don't and and also like there can be people who are just like oh i haven't met the right person but I read romance novels. I'm not like afraid of sex. I just like haven't had a boyfriend or haven't had the person to have sex with. But also in this Bustle article, they spoke to a 28 year old woman who's going by the pseudonym Catherine in this, who said society views virgins as anomalies. And this woman waited until she was 25 to have sex. And she said, I've had partners tell me that I'm the kind of person they tend to avoid because I don't have a lot of experience. Society assumes that someone who loses their virginity later in life will automatically become clingy and weird when it finally happens. And that's not the case for everyone. And I think that that's a lot of the stigma around things as well as like why sometimes girls even feel like they need to just get it out of the way is because they're like, I don't want guys to correlate me with this clingy trope of women where they're like, oh, she's not well-versed in sex, so therefore she's going to become obsessed with me if we have sex with each other. And it's like, maybe after like a month of dating if you have sex, but like most women don't get attached to you just because you fucked them. They're attached to you because you're emotionally connected and then you have like emotionally connected sex. And then they're like, oh, cool, we're on the same level. But since dudes view women as conquest, not as somebody who to emotionally have sex with and connect with by having sex with, men sometimes will literally just like wait until they can get what they wanted and then be like, I didn't respect you anyway. And then just fuck out of there. And that's why girls get really upset when they have sex with someone after like two, like three or four dates. And the guy fucks off because they're like, we had an emotional connection. What are you talking about? And the guy's like, no, I viewed you as a conquest this whole time. Like- yikes. <laughs> Big yikes. That's upsetting. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, a lot of unfortunate uh, realizations in this episode. But one of those also unfortunate realizations is the purity myth. And this is basically what we've been talking about, but... I think the way this writer put it kind of like put it in a new light for me. So this article is Why is America So Obsessed with Virginity and Huff Post by Anastasia Kosakis in 2009, which like also 2009 writing about this stuff is pretty interesting. But she says that the purity myth is a lie that virginity or sexual abstinence has some bearing on who we are as people, as good people, women in particular. More specifically, this book called The Purity Myth, How America's Obsession with Virginity is Hurting Young Women talks about how that lie and how that myth is really a driving force in a lot of the conservative moves to regress women's rights and to reinforce traditional gender roles. So how they're using this myth of sexual purity, this fear of young women's sexuality to promote their agenda for women. And the thing that that really stuck out to me was that they're using the idea of virginity to promote their own agenda on women. This is literally the definition of living in Texas, guys, because we have these bills that are being passed 
into law that says you're not allowed to have an abortion. Literally abortion bans at this point. Um, It's all based on the idea that virginity is like this pure thing and you must wait to have sex until marriage. It all comes back together. Yeah. And so in this article, um, Anastasia's interviewing the author of that book, Jessica Valenti, and she's talking about this idea of like the quote unquote virginity movement. And so what Jessica says is that the virginity movement specifically is a group of and they're not calling themselves the virginity movement like the liberal people are, but they're a group of conservatives anti-feminist organizations, legislators, all with this really specific agenda in mind for women that's definitely regressive, definitely old school, definitely traditional. But instead of using the normal ways of pushing their agenda, they're really focusing on young women's sexuality as not only a scare tactic, but also a salacious way to get their point across. And I think, again, this is how it all ties back to the pop culture of it all is because, again, you have the media and even like sometimes people in politics, like these quote unquote important people pitting singers against each other, like we talk about in so many of our past episodes, like the Britney Christina debate, like all of these things where it's like, oh, Christina's too sexy. Britney is like virginal. She's she's the girl next door, whatever. And so it's, again, this idea of like, trying to scare you into not wanting to be sexual. And in doing so, that's when we start to see people losing respect for people in the limelight, like we see the trajectory of Britney Spears's whole career. And even just like other stars' whole careers, it's like how we saw there was some backlash when Billie Eilish did the Vogue cover wearing corsets and like being more sexy. People were like, who who are you? Why are you doing that? While like most of her fans were super supportive, There were people on the internet being like, I can't sexualize you. What are you talking about? Or even though they were like begging to see how big her chest was since her career started. Well, I think also like one of the main things here, like we just mentioned like Britney Christina is it's like if there's somebody who's quote unquote fitting the role of the Madonna or the Virgin, there's always going to be somebody who's viewed in opposition to that. And now a lot of times it seems like the artists, the pop stars are a lot more outspoken about like sexuality and about owning it and like more comfortable with it to the point where we see less Madonna types but Mm. they're still they're definitely still there I mean like Taylor Swift could be considered one of them probably Olivia Rodrigo I feel like she's probably gonna get pitted into the Madonna type just like the fact that she's so young I mean she's still 19 but she has that very youthful look to her yeah, and so I think that's a really interesting point what you're saying about the potential of like shoving Olivia Rodrigo into like this Madonna idea because trends are cyclical as we've come to realize and we haven't had a very boxed in pop star in quite some time. And so I think that even though the media is clearly learning a lot, especially around the whole Britney Spears conservatorship situation, I think that they're still probably going to try and do this because it's so easy to and it's fun. And I mean, like, it's fun for them to put pit people against each other like we talked about in our Celebrity Feud episode, like we talked about in our tabloid episode, you know. And I feel like they kind of already did that a little bit with the whole Joshua Bassett situation, but there wasn't like enough meat to go off of to really make it as big of like a feud like 
one against another. But I mean, Sabrina Carpenter did just put out like the world's sexiest music video that's been put out in like a while. So I haven't seen like it. they might try they might try and like fake a tussle. We'll see. But I I think that it's harder right now because so many of the women who are sexier are way more actualized in their sexiness compared to like Christina Aguilera, who is clearly doing it to like kind of shatter a glass ceiling in a way. Whereas like most of the women who are more outright sexy and like less easily viewed as a virgin are doing it in like a much more tasteful way, a much less obvious way. And so I think it's a lot harder to kind of pigeonhole people into like Madonna or whore ideologies, even though it's kind of like what pop music has always hinged itself on. And so, I mean, like we've talked about in past episodes, we do have the constant tropes of who is a whore and like the idea in the eyes of you know the the white man in charge and a lot of these tie back to like the Jezebel trope that we spoke about in our episode about how African-American women like affected and changed rock music and how they had to act a certain way in order for men to not sexualize them because of like the whole idea stemming from slavery and so it is quite interesting when you think about it because and like this was a common trend in a lot of these articles that we pulled about this is that the people that they're referring to that like the media and the general public was viewing in more of like the virginal side of things were always white girls they were always like white pop girls whereas there were acts like little kim where she's just sexualized and i mean she was sexualizing herself But even though she was doing it in like a more like now ways sort of type of way where like it was very calculated and planned the way that she was sexualizing herself, people still refused to like respect her in the ways that we talked about in how they were like, oh, she's only successful because of who she's tied to. She's only successful because she's putting her body out there and she's making herself available to men. And I think it is quite interesting, but also just like very archaic in the same ways that the virgin whore and like even the virginity concept are archaic, that the virginal idea is always tied to like white girlies. And yeah, pop. yeah, absolutely. And we have a really good quote about this, too. In this article called Pop Music's Good Girl Complex in Rewire News Group by Erica L. Sanchez in 2014. And she actually pulled from a 2010 article where teen star Debbie Gibson was talking about Taylor Swift. And Gibson says, it's nothing new for male record execs to want to vamp up a little girl. It's way easier to sell. And goes on to saying, because Swift is white, executives are able to manufacture this image of purity. There's a reason there's never been a black equivalent of Taylor Swift the wholesome girl next door and that is like so so crazy to think about because also referencing the the first article we talked about today in the 34th street publication they had a really good kind of explanation of this also in that the author writes in contrast to the perceived innocence and purity of whiteness the sexualization of black women extends back to chattel slavery through the jezebel trope and the description of black women as animalistic and uncontrollable sexual appetites. So the Madonna whore complex not only affects black women in the dating world because they're placed in the default category of whore in opposition to white women, but it also offers an explanation for the disproportionate violence that black women face. So it really does all tie back together. And I think too, just like, like seeing it in writing is one of those 
like hits you in the face realizations because like honestly we talk a lot about white pop stars on this podcast but it's a lot of reason because there's a lot of white pop stars to talk about and black women haven't been given the same space like on our r&b episode black r&b artists were never allowed to be the same level as a household name as a white pop star has been and that's that's what they're saying also in the other article about taylor swift is there's never been a black version of taylor swift and the only thing that my mind did come to was brandy because like as we talked on that r&b episode britney spears and brandy were kind of eye to eye at one point but it's like for whatever reason brandy wasn't allowed to like stay in that position for very long yeah And also in this uh, Rewire article, Erica spoke with an assistant professor from the University of North Texas called Suzanne Ank. And Suzanne said, a good girl is a white, pure, virginal girl who is sexy but doesn't enjoy sex. And historically, black women never had access to good girl status. And I think that that's proven time and time again in like other episodes that we talked about. And again, and what I'm saying is like there's so many archaic ideas and ideologies that are tied to these ideas that really put things in like oh it's like very black and white when like it's not it shouldn't be so black and white like there are so many gray areas in between being a virgin and being a whore and like being a whore is not even like a real thing again that's like a patriarchal idea that men created to make women feel bad for doing whatever they want to do because it's like there are so many women who work in like sex work or do whatever they want and they're doing it for themselves. They're not doing it because they're pressured to do it. Like, yes, of course there is like sex trafficking and there are negative sides and like very dark and seedy sides to like the sex worker trade. But there are women who feel empowered by kind of taking men's money, you know, and why not? But again, it's like so many things are so laced in like Christianity and so laced in whiteness. And it's it's such like American whiteness, Christian standards of how so much of this exists and like why it exists. And it's just really upsetting. Like there's no other there's no better way to put it of, of just like how much things are tied to specific ideas that we're trying to not have exist anymore. But there are people who are still pushing for these things to still exist. And like, that's why you still run into these situations where people are still just like, oh, like I need somebody who like walks in God, like you need a godly man or like casting people on The Bachelor where like their whole entire personality is the fact that they're a virgin and that's their whole storyline. And you have all these things and it's like that that that's that can really negatively affect a, a lot of people in a lot of ways because also they can they can be mocked and ridiculed and made fun of and some people have like legitimate personal reasons why they might be saving themselves and it's like not every person that's religious is a bad person just as how not every person who has sex is a bad person you know yeah i think also like you mentioned that there's these archaic ideas that like some people still hold on to and then i and then i'm also thinking about like popular music and it's kind of twofold in the way that like if there's a group of people which like at the first is going to be the minority group of people who want to change the way we're thinking in this context it would be like the liberal or like left-leaning folks versus the majority of america is basically conservative at this point and so 
if we think about like, well, why are there not allowed to be black pop stars who are wholesome? And then also when we look at like the black women who are really famous musicians, like the A-list celebrities, they're the opposite of that wholesome role, right? For the most part. But yeah. it's it's both what is popular among the mass as well as those gatekeepers that we often talk about on this podcast, the record label people, the marketing people, the people at radio. They're like, oh, we don't want to push this person with this image. We don't want to put out a record with this person with this type of image. Those gatekeepers also affect things just as much as the masses do. Because if they're like, oh, well, like we can't have somebody like this because the masses won't want it. It's kind of like this, like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? One of these is going to have to change in order for something to change. Because like not everyone is living with these archaic ideas. Like there's a lot of people who don't want to be living under this like extremely patriarchal ideas that we're talking about today. But it's like, is it really the masses that like still have these old school ideas Or is it what we're being fed constantly by the media, by the gatekeepers? Are those the people that are still holding those old school ideas? You know what I mean? Yeah. And what you said actually made me remember something from another article. So there was this article in Vice by Kate George in 2015 called Who is Pop Music's Good Girl and How the Hell Do We Get Rid of Her? And she writes, Beyonce at surface value might seem like the quintessential good girl as she exists in pop music. She fits the bill. She's sexy without being sexual. She's a mother who is blindly loyal to her man, devout in her beliefs, and consistently impeccable in her public image. But as I said, that's all superficial. Beyonce works very hard to be the most unimpeachable version of Beyonce she can be. But much like the good girl, that's an illusion. Beyonce to Drake might seem like a fantastic good girl, but a good girl doesn't have agency over how we perceive her. Whereas Beyonce is completely in control, unfettered by the persona dictated to her by anyone, let alone a man. And I feel like that really hits the nail on the head with this is also it's like the good girl cannot self-proclaim herself the good girl. The good girl has to be dubbed a good girl by the outside masses more so by the white man in charge you know like that has to be the box that they were put in by the record label exec and because Beyonce wasn't put in that even though she fits all these quintessential things it's again that 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 idea of people finding an excuse to call her a diva finding an excuse to call her brazen or like to call her just to call her these terms because she's strong and empowered and a black woman And the white masses in America, specifically America, do not like to see that. They don't understand it. And so even though she fits the good girl trope to a T, she's still not viewed as such because it's too complicated and too confusing for the white man to understand that Beyonce could fit into a trope that they usually just place people who look and act like Britney Spears in 1999. Well, also, Beyonce's very outspoken. And I feel like the good girl is you you follow what, what you're told right? Like you don't break the rules. And I think Beyonce is interesting in this scenario because her image is just as calculated as we talk about Taylor Swift being like the way, I think the way they described it here, like really fits because she's really like walking that line, but she's controlling it. Like other people aren't projecting it onto her. And I think that's the interesting thing in all of this is like, because her image is so controlled, no one can even project onto her the virgin or the whore. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, this is the thing where it's like, Britney for so long was viewed as like pure and wholesome, but also like somebody that people wanted to sexualize. 
And so there was this other article in Refinery29 by Danielle Campamore in 2021 called Like a Virgin, How Purity Culture Harmed Britney Spears and a Generation of Pop Stars. And so the article kind of starts off with a quote from when Britney was talking about her conservatorship and she was describing like the demand her father had for her to have a certain image. And she goes, my precious body who has worked for my dad for the past fucking 13 years, trying to be so good and pretty, so perfect. That's given these people I've worked for way too much control. And it's like when we talked about Britney in other episodes and how we always come back to that fucking article where they're like her honey thighs and her ample bosom. Yeah. And they were always sexualizing her, but she was always kind of trying to act a certain way, give off the like good girl next door. But also like the shirts are always a little too small. The shorts are always a little too short sort of situation but so they were constantly viewing Britney as like this good girl next door like she can do no wrong but later on in this article Danielle goes on to write the public perception of Britney further soured when she had children with a man of which the public did not approve headlines shifted and a pervasive narrative about America's southern sweetheart took off as the press became more and more critical of her every move Britney wasn't allowed to mess up or even deviate Less the reports of her suddenly having a public, quote, meltdown and, quote, unquote, harrowing breakdown would dominate the news cycle. And so it went from this thing where Britney's talking about how, like, her virginity is sacred to her, all this stuff. She starts to date Justin Timberlake. People realize, like, oh, she's not going to be a virgin forever. When they break up, Justin starts to spin this narrative that Britney was not loyal to him, that she maybe stepped out on him. Britney at some point admits that she did, in fact, lose her virginity to Justin. But this is way after the fact. But Justin literally on like some radio show joked about the fact that he tapped that. And so you have the situation where a man is somehow controlling the narrative. Britney's on talk shows crying because she's heartbroken. She's upset. And he's acting like this boy next door, this good guy, whatever. But at the same time, like he clearly got what he wanted from Britney, which was fame and her virginity. And then he fucked off. And then he joked about it on the radio and still is making bank off of it to this day, you know? Well, it is like, honestly, Britney's story is just truly so sad. I don't know if there's like a good part of any of Britney's story, maybe except that she finally got free for conservatorship. But the thing is, is like Britney and Justin were America's sweethearts. Like they were the blue eyed. They were both the ne- kid next door, the wholesome, the adorable. So them being together was like amazing. It was like iconic, yeah. legendary, blue denim moment. We love it. But when they separated, that was heartbreaking for like all of America. America because we all bought into this story into this idea that they were the wholesome they were the the pure the virgins like whatever this wholesome idea of Christianity that was them the both of them together and so when they broke up there had to be a winner and there had to be a loser in this scenario because as we know we love to make everything competition in life but this is why like going back to this quote of suddenly the narrative started to turn when she was dating and married to Kevin Federline and like when she had her kids of they didn't approve of that man because that man was very different than Justin Timberlake. Britney's already seen as a villain in this split. Then she's dating this man that also does not fit the image of wholesome, pure anything. And so this is this is literally the downfall of Britney. And the thing that gets me so much about what she 
said about her quote, my precious body who has worked for my dad for the past fucking 13 years, trying to be so good, so pretty, so perfect. That is insane. That is insane. Honestly, it ties back to this idea that I, I kind of think in some way, Brittany's father was punishing her for what she did, was punishing her for yeah. not being the wholesome, pure image she could have been with Justin Timberlake, for going off yeah. and doing, having her life, having her kids with Kevin Federline, and then literally breaking down because she couldn't handle the pressure, because she couldn't handle being this perfect image forever. I literally think there's inter- so much internalized misogyny in her father that he's punishing her by forcing her to work and do all these things. Because the other thing that is scarily similar to this entire conservatorship is also the idea of purity balls, which is essentially like when young women are teenagers, they there's this ball where it's basically an event where they pledge their virginity to their fathers and the fathers are seen as the protectors. And in some scenarios, there's even like a lock nestle- necklace and key involved where like the girls have the lock and the fathers have the key. And then when they get married, the father passes the key to the <laughs> husband. And this is the idea that men own women. Literally, the idea that men own women. And that is exactly what is reflected in this conservatorship of her father owning her because she could not be the perfect image of purity. I literally have chills. Like, Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) Oh, 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 my God. Like, that's truly it. Like, that's literally what it is. It's like these men feeling like they need some tangible proof that they are the owner and the controller of their daughters and it's and so like she grew up. up she grew up in a very southern very cons- conservative household i'm assuming they were yeah. probably very religious so it's like it makes all of it makes complete sense that her dad would have this idea that he has to control her when he it sees her acting up yeah that's when he stepped in to control her like this is the one thing about this episode and like doing the research and now talking about it with you is it's like all of my notes on this episode were like and it comes full circle and it comes full circle because it always fucking comes full circle like everything is connected everything comes back to the virgin whore idea the virginity concept idea like this good girl trope in songs all of these things they all like circle back on each other and it's just like everything comes back to like the christian patriarchy of america that america does not want to admit exists yeah and it all comes back to like the scary christians so like evangelical christians like crazy christians who are like want to be in control of everything and like and just try and make everyone who's not a cis hetero white man feel less empowered by having the fact where it's like if you're an lgbt relationship you can't even lose your virginity according to their standings like all of these things nothing is equal for anybody in at all and there's always the person who's at the top of the pyramid and the person at the top of the pyramid is always the straight white man and it's just so insane because you just have these women who are just like forced into these boxes and forced into being these things and like Also in this article, she speaks with Dr. Jenna Drenton, who's an associate professor of marketing at Loyola University in Chicago, who says Britney Spears and Jessica Simpson and Christina Aguilera and Mandy Moore came out of a Hollywood factory of stardom. So there was this purity myth that said you need to be attractive, but still a virgin and that manifested in this 
true love waits, historical perspective, and these purity rings and abstinence pledges. And this is the thing is it's like in that factory, they're like, okay, here's what you have to do. Here's what goes on. Like Jessica Simpson, similarly to Britney Spears, grew up in a religious household. Her dad was a pastor before he became her or whatever. I don't know religious terminology. Let's go a pastor before he was her manager, before he was the music mogul that he was. And you also had the same thing around her where her love story was so much easier to follow than Britney Spears's because Jessica Simpson married Nick Lachey, who was also in a boy band. They had their TV show. They have their cute little Christian love story. So Jessica Simpson is allowed to be viewed in that like normal virgin time set because it's like, oh, she's doing exactly she what she's supposed the rules. to do. She's, she's following all the rules. She's doing these things. And it, it's just like Mandy Moore was like 15 when she was coming up amongst this. Like she was so much younger than all the other girls in pop music. And you have them exuding preteenness no matter how old they are when they're starting. There might be a little midriff showing, but it's always very like teeny bopper vibes and like the way that they're dressed and all that thing. Because again, it's like the sexualization of young women is something that older men love to watch happen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm nauseous. <laughs> Ugh, I feel like the idea that men own women and must protect no, must own their virginity is seen in the fact that older men sexualize teenage girls because they're not allowed to sexualize their daughters. Ugh. Well, it's also the, it's 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 also the thing with how you see these old men divorcing their wives and then like getting with like 20 something year olds because they're like oh they're cashing her in for a newer model who's like closer to virginity because i haven't been stopping her for the past 50 years yikes like you know and it's just like it's it's all gross and it all goes full circle in the grand scheme of things yeah also going off that the same professor also said Selling Britney as a virgin also made her a non-participant in the sexual pleasure that was clearly part of her appeal. Essentially, she literally had no autonomy in any of this because it was everyone else who was sexualizing her and she wasn't allowed to be part of it. But then McDonald goes on to say, from the very beginning of her career, she lacked agency. In a sense, her lack of agency was exactly what was being peddled. She was a post-feminist, an anti-feminist, a conservative product. She was a reversal of so many of the gains women had made. And then the writer goes on to say, and it was when Britney reclaimed her agency that her image began to crack. And I think that like I made this point previously and when we were talking about Britney in a different episode of when Britney had her downfall, when the image cracked, it said a lot about what we were doing to pop stars. It said a lot about what we were doing to people in the virgin role, but it also said a lot about what the industry was doing and the people behind Britney who were crafting this image. And I think a lot of other pop stars in the wake of Britney saw that and they said, I don't want to turn into that. Like no one can ever fit the perfect madonna virgin narrative forever they you just can't mm -hmm. like we said this is a sliding scale throughout our whole life and i think in the wake of britney we haven't had a very madonna like pop star since then and i mean i i would consider like taylor swift maybe in this role but like not not to the degree that britney was yeah and then you have like miley for example like literally never being put into that role ever i don't know like i honestly think it was the downfall of britney Everyone else realized what was happening and didn't want to be part of it. Yeah. 
Because I think, like, it's interesting with Taylor because, like, she didn't start as a pop star. And then by the time she's a pop star, she had, like, a decent amount of relationships in the spotlight. So it's, like, hard to really shove her into that Madonna idea. And then, like, when we talk about Miley or the Disney girls, it's, like, Disney was so specific to children at that time that even though most of the public knew who Miley was, it was always in that Disney Channel focus. So then when she started to grow out of that I think it was like a very different idea where obviously as we talked about in our episode about Miley and in our Disney episode and whatnot like there was still backlash to her becoming sexualized and her what like sexualizing herself what have you but people kind of just like threw in the towel on that because it's like oh there's no stopping Miley she's gonna do what she's gonna do you know and I just think it's quite interesting with all that where like we talked about in our episode about Katie and Kesha and Lady Gaga it's like we also haven't for like quite some time after Britney like there weren't really like teen pop stars anymore like most of the people coming up were like over 18 usually already in their 20s and I think in a way women in general were maybe kind of like trying not to put themselves in that situation because I don't think that the industry was going to be helping women in that regard like i think if a 16 year old rocked up they'd be like well i think do it i think the disney channel girls were filling that role because like katie kesha and lady gaga all were signed artists when they were 18 and just didn't like get their first records out until they were 22 and so i think maybe the role was filled by the disney characters yeah, I guess. Because, I mean, like, people are going to find teens to sexualize no matter it almost where they like, are. Yeah, because it almost, like, split even further of, like, no, they can only be virginal because they're on Disney Channel and they're literal children. And then, like, yeah. pop stars being older, 22, Lady Gaga, Kesha, yeah. Katy Perry, who, who know their sexuality. It's almost like it's split. Like, Britney couldn't yeah. maintain both. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a really good point where it's kind of like, okay the virgins are going to be fed to children and the whores are going to be fed to the adults. Like that's what it really felt like because like, you're totally right. It was as if Britney's downfall completely eroded the ecosystem of the pop girl, like glass box. (laughs) It's so crazy. But the thing is, is that in its place became the good girl trope and lyricism and pop music being taken over by this idea of who a good girl is, what a good girl is in lyrics, but by both men and women. And you have a lot of men in their pop songs using the virgin whore trope to essentially write songs about women that they respect or women that they don't. And so many of them do it, but in a lot of these articles that we came across, they were referring to Drake for being, like, the number one worst at doing this. Um, And so back in that Rewire article with Erica L. Sanchez, she's talking about Drake. And the thing that I find interesting here is, so she's talking about his collaboration with Beyonce in the song Mine. And in this song, Drake sings, this is a song for the good girl, and I still keep it hood, still treat you like I should. And I think this is interesting because it's like Drake in a way is like having Beyonce on the song by being like, oh, like she is what I personally think a good girl is. Oh, my God. Even though, like we already said, Beyonce is too contrived, too controlling of her own narrative to actually get to be a good girl in the terminology of today's ideas of this. And so Erica quotes from 
Alexis Pauline Gums, who's the founder of the blog Eternal Summer of the Black Feminist Mind. And she writes that several of Drake's songs are fixated on the dichotomy, particularly those about developing romantic feelings for strippers. This causes him anxiety because these women have already been quote unquote used. And so again, it's that thing where Drake does sing about strippers quite a lot. And he does seem to like have a lot of issue with the fact that he's attracted to or interested in or hanging out with strippers because they're not pure and he shouldn't be hanging out with impure women. Yet he's not that pure himself, is he? No. It's literally hilarious. It's literally hilarious that I can just see Drake like quivering in the thought of maybe possibly being attracted to a stripper. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) poor boy, poor man and your poor struggles must suck to be you. (laughs) So again, as we see Drake popping up again in this Vice article, Kate George writes, in Drake's hotline bling, he sings to a former girlfriend about how she used to always stay at home, be a good girl, and he's upset that his ex started wearing less and going out more. The crux of it is that Drake is threatened by his ex-girlfriend, New Sound sense of self and sexuality, and he's using this notion of a good girl to slut shame her for her new unruly ways because he doesn't understand them. And to me here, like, it's not just that he doesn't understand them, it's that she's not following the rules that the patriarchy has set up of how she's supposed to act. Yeah. Also, hilarious, amazing, amazing context in this article. So the writer goes on to say the good girl is essentially a trope that's used in attempt to rein in a disruptive woman or one that's threatening to the patriarchal version of what is and is not acceptable lady behavior. And then she writes, it's mansplaining feminine social etiquette and it's infantilizing and it's insistence in referring to grown-ass women as girls and i think the hilarious thing about here was the mansplaining of feminine social etiquette and honestly i don't even think it's mansplaining i think it's straight up gaslighting it is straight up gaslighting women into thinking they're bad and they're not worthy and they're not valuable and they're not worthy of respect just because you didn't follow their rules it's straight up gaslighting is what it is guys i mean i mean yeah. Like, Am I wrong? It's, it's, Did I lie? No, it's Did I like, lie? Jenna's favorite term, gaslighting. It's yes. Jenna's favorite. <laughs> it's Jenna's favorite psychological issue yes. that men have. Yeah, I mean, it's just so crazy where it's like, again, for a lot of women in America, being confident in yourself means like you can show off your body and doing these things like we talked about in our objectification and sexualization episode where sometimes men stifle women's confidence because men don't want them to be quote unquote on show and it is just this really interesting idea in these songs of like oh she's wearing less and going out more and how he doesn't like that and how a lot of guys don't like that and how a lot of women find a lot of strength in showing off their body doing these things because they feel in control of the narrative And something that Jenna and I were talking about before is it's like you also see religions like in Muslim women or even like Orthodox Jewish women, like they will wear like hijab or Orthodox Jewish women wear wigs. So like people who aren't their husbands or women in their family can't see their hair or their body. And there's a lot of conversation about like, oh, they're they're being held captive by these things like they're being forced to do this. But like a lot of these women do it because they believe in their religion in the same way that these Christians with their virginity pledges believe in their religion. And they're doing this because they feel confident and they feel secure and they feel closest with 
God or whatever in hiding their body from people. And so it's like, it must be frustrating for them for covering your body to be laced in this Christian white purity myth of things. And also the idea of oppression. Yeah. I don't, yeah. And, and also submission to people because yeah. a lot of people think like, oh, they're doing this to be submissive to the men in their life. And it's like, no, they're doing this to like show closeness to to their husbands or show closeness to God or whomever it may be you know like I'm not well versed in that form of religion but like from what I understand it's like it's them showing like their womanhood in their own way and so for it to be so closely tied in America to like the Christian belief of like purity virginity etc that must be really frustrating to always be tied to something that you don't have a part in but also people being like, you don't really want to be doing that. You don't want to be hiding your body because yeah, I mean, that's not what you want to do because I don't understand it. Well, they're literally projecting the idea that covering up is oppression. Yeah. That they're projecting it onto other religions. Look at yourself. You're yeah. like, you're saying pro- like covering yourself up is the default. Covering yourself up is expected. It's literally the yeah. same thing, but because they do it in a different way, they're judging them and they're ridiculing them for it. But it's like, like I said, covering up is the default. Like then I said this earlier, the only reason we can talk about Billie Eilish is because Billie Eilish has been so outspoken about why she covered up her body. But nobody else is being saying like, oh, you have so much autonomy because you didn't show off your chest today. Nobody's saying that, you know? People were like, oh, she's so confident. She's so confident because she's showing her skin and she's going out tonight and she's looking good. Like we see that as confidence. Even the most like liberal of us, even the most supportive, sex positive, whatever, we see like do whatever you want. Like that's great. But then we only celebrate women who are like doing it in a very showy way and not women who are like covering up. You know what I mean? And I think it's because the default is covering up. But the default well, of I mean, covering up is also that you're a virgin and that you're like wholesome. So I don't you literally can't win with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, so Kate in this article goes on to write the good girl is sim- is simply a version of femininity that doesn't exist. It's something guys like Drake use to belittle women when they feel emasculated by their sexuality or rejected. It's a one dimensional concept as curated as Beyonce herself that's designed by men to project upon threatening otherwise unruly multi-dimensional women the notion of quote-unquote good in drake's lexicon asks for a muted sexuality and an adherence to anachronistic ideas of feminine propriety that we're still struggling to overcome and so again it's just this thing where it's like when women are sexual it's emasculating when women are hiding their bodies oh, she's doing what I want them to do. Meanwhile, there are some women who in their religion or what have you, like they're covered up. That's how they feel most confident. Like that's how when they're out, men should feel like less powerful around them because they're in their power. But because again, there's that purity idea of being covered up, hiding your body, what have you, men don't view it like that. And it's so black and white to men. And that's what it always is. is It's so black and white to all of them. This is why no matter how far forward we go, like this virgin horse standpoint will always be there because no matter like how far we move away from it or how far we move away from the importance of the actual Sigmund Freudian idea of it, like it still shows up in song lyrics. It still shows up in the way men treat women. It still shows up in these ways. And so I think that that's the biggest takeaway and understanding of this is like I keep saying, like Jenna keeps saying is like everything is full circle. Everything always comes back to like the patriarchal idea of things 
and this corner that they want to shove women into in order to like keep them at bay by controlling them with this idea of, oh, if you do too much, we will view you as a whore and your worth will diminish in my eyes. And even leading from that, it's also controlling women with the concept of virginity. So everything comes back in full circle to that. So when you're listening to these songs and having fun with this music and you're like, oh, Drake's afraid of kissing a stripper. It's like, yeah, he's afraid of kissing a stripper because he probably had shit sex ed, even though he was on Degrassi, which was like the best sex ed anybody ever had. And he also was taught that, you know, the virgin whore concept because of the time that he grew up in, you know, like it's hard to escape. It's the time we all grew up in. And it's the thing yeah. that we can't escape no matter what. Nobody can escape it. Because even if, even though like we're educating ourselves on it, like we said, this is our daily lives. Like we see it in pop yeah. culture, but we literally all live under this. And even educating ourselves isn't really doing that much because at the end of the day, the patriarchy is still there. Ta-da! <laughs> also, this is like definitely an episode we could talk about forever and I think it was very enlightening and like we'll come back to this for like a long time because it truly is so fascinating but like personally my biggest takeaway was this idea of how virginity is tied to the virgin whore complex and how it radiates into so many aspects of our lives when like virginity is so rarely talked about in that way it's only the like the scholars and the people who like extensively study this who make those connections and I think that right there the fact that it's not like widely talked about information it's not easily accessible is why we're going to be living under this great wonderful thing for a very long time and also as we were cracking up about the very beginning of this episode it is truly just insane how white and religious america was and always is (laughs) yeah it's just the for for me it's just like the constant realization of like how much personal christian religious trauma i have as a nice jewish girl from long island (laughs) (laughs) we all do because uh this is america folks it's ridiculous so i mean if you guys have any christian trauma you didn't realize you had that we've enlightened you with from this episode or if you have any thoughts on this trope and how it correlates with music we would love to discuss this more i feel like this is a conversation that we all could have for hours so come hit us up on social media we are at name three songs on instagram or twitter Or you can go watch me have meltdowns on TikTok daily. And if you have any personal beef or want to thank us for our service, you can do so personally. I'm at Sarah underscore Fagan and Jenna is at Jenna underscore Million. So thanks for joining us this week on Name Three Songs. And until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite bands. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Britney Spears. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we reference in this episode, you can visit Namefreesongs.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.